2: Welcome to My Favourite Takeaway, the show for people who love food but can't always be bothered to cook it. My name is Tom Crane and as always I'm with one, ever so talented, Simran Shah. Hi Tommy. So Sim, how, how are you keeping? Are you keeping well? I am
3: keeping pretty well, yeah. I came home last night. Right. And made a late night omelette. A late night omelette. So what was in what was in your late night omelette? Onion, tomato, a bit of leftover curry sauce from the day before.
2: Oh, interesting. And some cheese. So so how are you using that curry sauce? Are you mixing it through? When's that going in? Well, usually, if I was going to mix curry
3: sauce into it with eggs, I would beat the eggs, and as I put them in the pan, I'd then add the curry sauce, or I'd add the curry sauce in with the eggs and then put them in the pan. But this time, I beat the eggs normally, put them in the pan, and then just plopped a bit of curry sauce on the top of it.
2: <laughs> uh- what I can say is the bleakest meal I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of you, at midnight, sitting in your kitchen, making an omelette, and then putting yesterday's curry on top of it. You see, the way you're visioning it is
3: is, is is bleak. In my mind, I was a Michelin-star chef. Okay. toiling into
2: the layout, thinking, oh my God, this is a genius concoction. Well, there's something that a chef who's been doing really, really well for a number of years then pushes it too far the evening the reviewers are in. <laughs> <laughs> he thought, "Do you know what? I reckon I'm going to do this, this omelette with tikka masala on top. It could be the thing. And then a month later, the restaurant's closed and no one's coming. Last week, actually, we were also talking about one of your sort of weird food risks. Um, just to remind listeners, you'd been to Glastonbury. You'd taken a tub of Rocky Road with you. How how describe it? Chocolate brownie sort of thing. It'd been sat in your tent. It's sort of like oven chip temperature had melted and then you'd eaten it with your hands from the tub. But we've had an email that relates to that, that I think is even more disgusting.
3: So this is from Olivia Griffiths. who says, there's an urban legend here in the States, she's from America, that Ron DeSantis, the presidential candidate, once ate chocolate pudding with his fingers in front of an airplane full of reporters, like scooped (laughs) it out of the plastic cup with his fingers and transferred it to his mouth. Now that does sound mad. And obviously we don't know whether this is true or not, but the idea that you'd be a presidential candidate And you've been meant to be taken seriously on issues of tax, welfare, cost of living, housing, (laughs) and there you are, foreign policy, Russia, Ukraine, you know the threat of China, and there you are, scooping chalky out (laughs) out of a little plastic pot with your little hands. (laughs)
2: <laughs> but there's an argument. It could be seen as a real power play, as if to say, I literally don't care what you say about me or think about me. I am just going to eat chocolate with my fingers in front of you.
3: I mean, that is one way of terrifying Putin, isn't it? You can imagine you're on the t- across the table negotiating with Putin, and then you suddenly whip <gasps> out your <laughs> Kamri's flake yoghurt, it is, <laughs> rip it open
2: and start scooping it into your mouth. You don't scare me, Vladimir. I actually had something which was a little bit similar to this. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before. I once had friends round when I was about 19 or something like that. And I decided to eat a Petit Falou. A Petit Falou is quite a, quite a decision at the age of 19 at the best of times. Yeah, it is. I mean, Petit Falou is kind of, it really is a preserve of children, isn't it? But I was, there I was, 19, choosing to have a Petit Falou. Well, it's, it's a yoghurt for children, but sure. Bit of fun. Bit of fun. <laughs> I couldn't be bothered to get a spoon... And so I decided to eat it just with my tongue oh. and tried to reach the stuff at the bottom. I strained my tongue so badly that I could barely speak for three days after it. It was like proper muscle strain. And then having to explain to people how you strained your tongue and you're saying, well, I, I was trying to get to the bottom of a petit balou without a spoon. <laughs> Makes you sound like a man who's having a breakdown. It's not a cool tongue injury. Were, were you the kind of kid with yogurt where you would lick... The lid? Yes, love licking the lid, yeah. I was never into that.
3: Why not, though? It's kind of, it's more yoghurt. No, I I get that it's more yoghurt, but there was something about the act of it that I saw when others did it that I was like, I'm not going down to your level.
2: Would you use a spoon to take the yoghurt off the lid? Yes, I would, Tom. Okay, so there you are. So you weren't wasting it. By extension, what about drinking the milk from the bottom of a cereal bowl? Would you do that, or are you the sort of person that leaves the final bit of milk? With a spoon. I would with the spoon. See, I am still occasionally, if no one in the room, I'm a tipper. I pick up the bowl and I tip in the, the sugary milk from the bottom of the bowl. I think most people do do that. And I think that is the norm because with a spoon, when, when you're down to the,
3: the final little drops, I can't really get that with the, with the big spoon that I've got. So unless I'm, going, unless I'm getting increasingly smaller spoons because I refuse to tip it into my mouth, I guess that's the punishment for my own obstinance over the, over the issue.
2: I like the fact you say, I can't get at the milk with the big spoon that I've got. Because that, in my mind, makes it sound like you only have one spoon in your house and it's massive with the big spoon that I've got. You open the drawer and that's all that's in there. It's basically like double the size of a ladle. Cereal is a nightmare <laughs> every morning for Simran. <laughs> Honey, we, we we need
3: more than this one big spoon. It's getting, it's getting absurd.
2: <laughs> Previously the oar on a boat, <laughs> now used by Simran for his cereal. Yeah. I do see what you're saying. It's not a great look looking at a yogurt pot, but I am that person, and you know I'm not going to change. No, and and I would hate it if you did because I love you, Tom. Thank you very much. Now, funnily enough, Sim, we think that's weird. Today's guest has all manner of weird food habits and drink habits and drink habits. You're like it, it's incredible. While you go through this episode, there's a part of this episode that will blow your mind. And in fact, if you think. That you do things that are weirder than our guest does, do get in contact. But I'd be flabbergasted if any of you do. And who is our guest this week, Sim?
3: So, no. our guest this week is the broadcaster, Matt Edmondson. And Matt is a mainstay of Radio One. You can hear him on with Molly King. And he also hosts an excellent podcast called The List of Absolutely Everything That Might Kill You. <laughs> It's with Adam K. You, you know, he's the guy who did the junior doctor memoir, This Is Going to Help, which is also then turned into a BAFTA winning show. The podcast basically explores like all those unexpected dangers that lie in wait for us as we go about our sort of daily lives, from like deadly doorbells to like fatal feather boas, that kind of thing. Great idea. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts, and we've also popped a link to it in our program description. So shall we uh, dive straight in and listen to what he's
2: got to say? Let's do that. Matt Edwards said, what a nice man. What weird habits. Enjoy.
3: I think it's time that you told us what takeaway you ordered that arrived so devilishly early.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I went for a, a chicken shashlik. Uh, I had hey. some plain rice, which I wouldn't normally do, but as you guys were paying, I thought I would uh, thought I'd go for it. Normally I would do my own... Rice at home. And actually, I'm going to say, and I don't want to offend the place I got it from, but my rice is better than a professional curry house's. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, first of all, what's a shashlik? A shashlik? Get out your tiny violins and join me on an incredibly sad story, okay? I don't know how old you guys are, but I've hit my mid-30s and a couple of things happened. Got hay fever. Boom. Out of nowhere. Thought it was a myth beforehand. Turns out that's real. It's bad. The other thing that happened was i developed i'm going to say IBS not medically checked but funny tum quite a lot of the time and i was like bunny. Oh. Tum. <laughs> i think that's what the doctors call it. and so i did a blood test it's one of these things you your finger send it off and it comes back and it tells you if you're intolerant to anything it said i was intolerant to dairy oh that was a real uh, sucker punch for me because um, all i was eating was dairy which might explain the old funny term. So were you having reactions? Let's say if you example, Dairy, let's say you a glass
2: of milk. Were you having a reaction to that?
0: Yeah, my body was at a certain threshold with it, I think, but I, I felt uh, pretty fatigued, and I definitely was pooping more than I would want to. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to poop on the hour every hour. It was. Yeah, exactly. On the hour every hour. The radio for poops. <laughs> you can set your watch by my poops. It's incredible. The story is. I'm intolerant to milk. Uh, so I used to have a chicken tikka masala. Uh, I, had to, I had to swap it up and I was like, okay, which one of these is less likely to have dairy in it? Basically it's a sauceless chicken dish. It's sort of cooked on a, on a skewer, I think, in a tandoor oven and they add peppers and onions and all that kind of stuff to it, which I duly ignore. Yeah, it's like a slightly burnt bit of chicken.
2: Where is it on the spice scale? Where's where this? Where is it on the spice scale?
0: It's reasonably spicy. It's not going to strip the inside of your mouth off. You don't need to swill bonjela beforehand. <laughs> I've got a question for you about the about the rice. You say you
3: cook rice better at home than it being delivered to you by an authentic curry house. We mm-hmm. ask you a question then. When are you cooking the rice, and how are you cooking it? Are we talking like rice cooker, or are we talking? You know, rice is the pound with some water and you're monitoring it and you're getting it wrong and you all that kind of stuff. But it's obviously perfect in, in the special way that you
0: do it. So talk us through it. Well, in anyone's opinion, Simran, it would be it would be regarded as perfect. I would defy anyone <laughs> in, a blind, in a blind taste test to not choose my rice over the rice of several professional curry houses. It feels too easy to have to pay someone else to do. I am many things. Tight is one of them. And so... I've always done my own rice because I've always thought, bag of rice in my house and I've got access to some boiling water. How hard can it be? It is hard to get rice right. Well, I'm pretty good at it now. So yeah, with the rice, I save money, but I also uh, get it piping hot. So on the timing front, very hard, because as we've established, you cannot set your clock by the uh, delivery of this place that I'm going from. Yeah, they can't be trusted on that front. So the system that we have is we preheat the oven on a low heat, sub 100 degrees. Oh, really? Really low then? Okay. Yeah. And the place we get it from, they're not on Deliveroo. They're not even on Just Eat or one of the other ones. You have to do it through their website because it's one guy with a car. Guy with a car turns up whenever the hell he wants. Uh, So we can't even monitor them on a map to back time it. Sometimes they will say like, oh, it'll be seven o'clock or whatever. They're always early, these people, always. <laughs> I will sometimes confidently start making the rice early. But the way my wife likes to do it is we wait for the curry to arrive. They're, out, they're in foil, little foil cartons. She puts those into the preheated oven. They just stay a bit warm, but they don't cook. And in that time, we make the rice. And for the rice, I, I like to think of rice as two handfuls per person, plus a bit extra for the dog. That does enough for all of us. So clump, 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 bit for the dog. That goes into a sieve. You've got to wash the rice beforehand. Of course. Otherwise it gets real starchy. So you wash your rice. <laughs> I've already got my, my pan of boiling water. The rice is going in. Um, It's having a um, a gentle stir. I put a tiny bit of salt in, but not too much. And then uh, it's boiling for eight minutes. I'm setting a timer. And then after the eight minutes, I will drain it. And I will put the lid on for like a couple of minutes whilst we're getting the curries out. Whilst we're kissing. Yeah, exactly. Just whilst we're celebrating how grateful we are (laughs) for the meal we're about to eat. And then the lid will come off. And what it does is it creates a sort of lovely steamed area for the curry just to hang out in, in the last minute or so. Nice. It comes out fluffy and warm and not sticky. It's honestly fantastic. Let's say if you
2: were in an Indian restaurant, would you still go for plain rice? I
0: would bring my own rice.
2: (laughs) But would you still go for plain boiled as opposed to pilau? Yes. Do you you
0: prefer of the two? You do. And why is that? I'm a fussy eater. I'm a bland eater. I have have the palate of an uninquisitive child. (laughs) And so I don't want anything too surprising going on. You know, If pilau rice is there, I'll have it. But I prefer to go with Good old trusty plain rice.
2: What about you, Sam? Are you, are you kind of are you a pilau? Are you a plain rice? But what's your sort of? Where are you? I have an advantage over the two of you, which is I grew up with my grandmother,
3: who didn't speak a word of English, but did cook rice to perfection. Okay. And the pan in which she boiled the rice, I still own. The pan that she used to boil the rice in is the same pan that she had when she was living in Uganda and was cooking, and I still use that pan today. I mean, when was she living in Uganda? 1970s. So wow, that is very impressive. And is that pan exclusively for rice, Simon? It's a refugee pan, yeah. It's a refugee pan for refugees in rice. No, I mean, do you use it exclusively for rice? It would be sacrilege to use it for anything else. The question really is, am I any good with it? And the answer is, absolutely not. Okay. It is a disgrace, not just to myself, <laughs> but to my grandmother And all the Ugandan refugees, (laughs) (laughs) I do try to cook my own rice. I like it a certain way, which is you have the rice, pour in the water, and then you add star anise, two cardamom pods, a clove, and a lot of salt. Quite a lot. And then when it's done, if you get it nice and fluffy, then when it's steaming hot, you take a spoon and you put it into a big tub of butter and you curl that butter into the spoon and dollop it into the rice and serve it up. And that is a fantastic Indian authentic rice delivered on your table and into your mouth. So where are you going wrong? Because it sounds like you can talk the talk, but you can't
0: rice the rice. Absolutely, yeah.
3: Because that's what I'm saying is what it should be like. What actually comes
2: out is a sort of, liquidy, soupy thing with lots of bits of rice floating in and then some butter that hasn't emulsified. Also, Simran's slightly insensitive that Matt's been talking about the fact he has a dairy allergy and you end with a huge scoop of butter going into the rice at the end. (laughs) Well,
3: he's not having to eat it.
2: (laughs) No, actually, you you, you mentioned one thing earlier, which is another thing I find hard. You talk about two scoops of rice and one for the dog. Spaghetti. How on earth do you work out how much spaghetti for one put? I cannot work it out. It's impossible. I either get my... that it fills the room with it or... There's two strands for us. I just can never get it right. I don't know what, what the amount is. Matt, what's your technique?
3: Because I tend to grab the spaghetti in my wrist. Sorry, you grab it in your wrist. Not oh, in my wrist, in my hand. <laughs> it's the <around> third hand. <laughs> I've, forgotten, I've
2: forgotten what my forgotten what the wrist is. I've my hand. It's amazing that hasn't come up. In in, in 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 series four, we eventually find out you have a secondary hand that comes out of your wrist. Oh, the holy spaghetti. So I grab the pasta in my, the palm of my hand the other bit, the past
3: and I twist it, and I just go. This feels like it's enough, and shove it in. What do you do, Matt?
0: I, I, yes, you kind of need the twist, don't you, to get them all to tessellate. Yeah. Because mm. you, you want to make sure that there's no, uh, there's no air gaps in between. There's nothing, you know, it's not being padded out by um, air or finger. Uh, what would I do if I was cooking spaghetti? I would always rather cook more than less. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? Because we're talking about rice, my dog knows the word and is here and he's crying. We're just talking about it. There isn't any available. <laughs> I'm so sorry because I didn't do it. It was it's a takeaway, so they sent the rice with it. So there's no extra bit for the dog.
2: It could be spaghetti as well as brought him over. There's that scene <laughs> in Lady <laughs> the Tramp where they share spaghetti,
0: isn't there? <laughs> it might be that. That's true. So yes, yeah, spaghetti. I would uh, put more in than I thought I needed. I, I, isn't there there a thing that there's something to do with like one of those spoons? Yes. Which has the hole in it.
2: Yes. That's true. The, the ladle has a hole, but it's not enough spaghetti. Is it not? It's not enough. No, no. So I, I always get it horrendously wrong. They've tricked you there. They've lured you in with a hole. There is one part of your order that draws my eye, to be honest, more than the plain rice and the chicken shash And it's a fact that for one person, yes, according to what I've been told by a producer, you've gone for six poppadoms for one person. Oh, yeah. In,
0: in a way, when I'm ordering a curry, all I'm really wanting is poppadom. It's an excuse to have pop tops God, I love you so much matt i <laughs> couldn't agree with you more I, I, I had it once where um they forgot to bring the popper tops, and it genuinely hit me like grief it was it hit me hard, you know, because the whole thing felt pointless at that at that stage. It's like, well i couldn't I mean, I've already cooked my own rice now I've got my chicken. Where are the pops? That's what I want. <laughs> um and so yeah they're, they're they're the most important part. I do wonder. There are certain foods with this where i think at what point so sort of biologically would i have to stop eating them if they were there i think i could just keep going it used to be the case with chocolate cornflake mini bites not anymore you can you can imagine the scenes it's like something from csi the day after <laughs> so if you were ordering with your wife
2: though you've got six here if you were ordering as, as a couple, are you still in
0: that situation getting six for yourself and then whatever extra? I would want minim, bare minimum four. Bare minimum. Wow. Uh, she, I think, would also want four, maybe three. What a lovely mutual shared interest that is. Uh, exactly. Yeah, we both like a pop a <laughs> the, wor- the worst offender for the pop I, I know is uh, Molly, who I do the radio with, Molly King. It's frightening how many poppadoms she will order to the point where it's quite stressful. We do a sort of regular (laughs) board game night and uh, at each other's houses and we always get a takeaway. She gets incredibly stressed about the number of poppadoms that are being ordered because she needs to make sure that she has like a minimum of 10. Simply for herself? For herself. And you think she's never going to get through them
3: and she does. Okay, hold on a sec. So first of all, when you're eating your poppadom, how are you breaking it up? Are you picking up the whole thing and biting into it like a burger? Are you cracking it with a tap? How are you dismantling it?
0: And are you scooping rice with the poppadom? Is the poppadom going is it, with every bite? Slow down, Simran. Slow down. <laughs> there are so many questions here. <laughs> so firstly, obviously, I'm picking the poppadoms up with my wrists. That's yeah. how I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm human. Secondary to a poppadom not arriving mm. is a soggy pot. No one wants that. Yeah. If it's too oily, if it has in any way been near moisture, it's ruined. And actually, yeah. with a delivery, that is a real a real problem. Sometimes mm. they'll put it in like a you know a bag that is exposed with the hot food in there, and the steam will make them go bad. You don't want that. So we found a place that does reliably crispy poppadoms. And then, yeah, I, I think we're criminal not to enjoy that snap. And so I would, uh, you know, I've got my, my stack of four and they'd be on a separate plate, by the way. Or sometimes you yes. just rip open the bag like you would at school with a pack of crisps, Perfect. Or put them between us on the footrest. We're very rarely eating, not in front of the television. Oh, I've got a lap tray as well. Oh, have you? Oh, very
3: cute. Matthew Crosby introduced us to the lap tray and I have one now as well. My girlfriend is embarrassed every time I put it on my lap, no. but I absolutely love it.
0: Crosby's got big lap tray energy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. He was so proud of it when he brought it out to show us. It was like a child who'd done a painting he wanted his parents to see. He was really happy about it as he brought it out.
0: May I ask what it looks like? Was it aesthetically pleasing? It had a floral base, didn't it? It's a William Morris wallpapered
3: lap tray. Yeah. And I've got the same thing, so the wallpaper is very fancy. I'm going to have to show you my lap tray. And it's like,
2: oh, God, we're about to see the lap tray. When did you buy a lap tray, Cynran? Was that after the... Were you so wound by the Crosby episode you wouldn't have bought one? I think literally 30 minutes after the Crosby episode, I ordered one. That's amazing. And would you genuinely sell it as a thing that I need in my life? Yeah. You'd be the sell
0: on the lap tray. Oh, my God. I couldn't live without it. Really? If there was a fire in my house, it'd be the dog, then the kids, then the lap
2: tray. That'll be it. Are the dogs and the kids going on the lap tray and being carried out of the house? in the, uh... Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's the great
2: they? thing about the lap tray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tom, are you ever watching television and eating at the same time?
2: Yes, we do do that. I would say most of our takeaway meals will be that. Where are you putting your plate? So I sit cross-legged on the floor. You're joking. In front of the telly. No, I'm not at all. Have you got that level of flexibility? I have, yeah. And my knees bend behind me. It's very sort of childlike. It's a bit weird. but of the ice.
0: I wish I could cross my legs and sit on the floor. Hold on, but where's the plate, Tom? Well, you mentioned they're just putting
2: the bag of pop-dons between you. I couldn't do that. Everything has to go on a plate. So even if the pop-dons are in a bag, that bag will then still go on a plate. The bag goes on a plate? Yeah. I still formalise it in that way. There's this sort of performance around everything's got to go on a plate, but I'm sat on the floor. Would you put a
0: chocolate bar on a plate, Tom?
2: Well, my dad used to. Put a Mars bar in the fridge, let it freeze, and then put it on a plate and cut it up and have pieces from the plate. And I still do that. And to answer you, often I will have a chocolate bar from a plate which has been pre-sliced. That's nice. <laughs> this makes me sound quite tragic. But let's get back to
0: your your tragedy, which is your 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 lap tray. So, so why do you think I need this? Nothing <laughs> tragic about this. So, um, h- here's my one, by the way. And I think, oh, how attractive it is doesn't doesn't come across on camera. <laughs> it's got nice shaping. It's a lovely green that matches our furniture. It's a it's a good quality lap tray.
2: Your wife has one too as well, does she? Oh, we got matching lap trays. Yeah, yeah of course. Have you? Okay. Oh. It's great. That is very
3: sweet. Where did you put the plate before the lap tray? Because I can't sort of remember a time that far back. I think the lap. I didn't enjoy that The plate on my lap. Cushion. Maybe a cushion. Interesting.
0: You wouldn't find a table. No, I don't have access to a table in the living room. I think... Pre lap tray, I would have lived in a shared house. We'd have all sat around like a table together, like we're in friends having conversation.
2: Would you like to have a bite of your food from your lap tray? Because I'd like to get um, a feeling for the quality of, of what's been delivered to your house. I would actually. Let me go and grab it. Hang on, bear with. It. Okay, Sim, so I'm going to give the lap tray a go. I genuinely am going to give the, give the laptop a go. Okay.
0: I think you should give it a go and then take a picture. It's now been so long since the delivery. I think it's technically leftovers. So, what, what, what are we would try first? A couple of pops there. Nice. Do you want to hear the snap? Oh, yes, please. Oh, yeah. Good snap. Now my dog's interested. You can have some pop on buddy. There you go. There you go.
3: Matt, we should, we should probably ask you a little bit about growing up. Did you did you eat many takeaways?
0: No. I don't know why. Uh, so I grew up in Portsmouth, which I'm sure has many fine takeaways, but it just wasn't a thing that we ever did. And it's one of those things that when you discover it's available, which for me was sort of when I moved away from home, moved in with other people, you're like, My God, this is game changing. I should do this all the time. At home, we'd occasionally, my dad would occasionally like pick up fish and chips from a chippy on the way home, but it was very rare. Yeah, it never occurred to me that that, that someone else would cook food and it could be delivered to your house in the same way that I didn't really know that hotels existed because every holiday we ever went on was a camping holiday. And so we were always in a tent, which is, um, well, it's shit, basically. Um, <laughs> and so then when you discover, hang on, you can go and sleep in an actual bed. <laughs> My God. It's, uh, it's life-changing. So was there a point then,
2: you mentioned you grew up without takeaways, but there was a point when you realised, oh, wow, you can get this stuff. What point in your life was that? And what was the food that you were buying at that point? Your
0: first takeaways, what were Sure. That? So um, I, when I, I moved into a shared house with um, some friends that I went to school with, Uh, Just a blissful time in in this really lovely house with incredibly cheap rent, which meant we had some money spare to uh, (laughs) blow it on takeaways. The one we had probably most often at the time was pizza. Mostly it was a dirty Domino's. That's how it was referred to. Uh, So we'd have a Domino's. I actually once had quite a traumatic experience with a Domino's delivery, which was at this shared house, order the Domino's. I was ordering them so regularly that they, I kind of knew the guy like by name, you know, when I phoned up, <laughs> I, I feel like if I hadn't ordered a piece for two weeks, he would phone the police and say, you need to check <laughs> on this guy. And uh, I ordered this, this pizza and it got stolen, but I saw it get stolen because it got intercepted by a man on a bicycle as it was being taken off a motorbike and walked towards my front door. So probably yeah. about two meters Guy on the pavement, amazing timing, whoomph, straight by, grabs the pizza, goes. Just to be clear, did he grab it from the take delivery or did he claim to be you? No, 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 no. He literally like swiped it. Wow. Never stopped peddling. And so the, the pizza delivery guys, there are now just holding air, but in like the shape of a pizza box. And we couldn't quite work out who was responsible for it. Because I was like, well, I haven't received it yet. He was like, yes, but I, I did deliver it. You sort of saw it. They, they thought that the, I had set it up. I was trying to rob the pizza because the timing was too perfect. They were like, this is a thing you do, a ruse. You have a pizza delivered and your mate comes along and swipes on his bike. The effort to go to that. The effort, exactly. Did they refuse to send you a new pizza? What was the what was the denouement of this? What happened? No, oh, no, because I had such a great relationship with the guy, I was able to phone him and set the record straight. So it's me. I wouldn't I would never do that to you. Um but yeah, Dirty Domino's was it. If if we were feeling fancy, um, we'd sometimes treat ourselves to a Papa John's. And That was fancy because it came from... Italy. Yeah, it (laughs) came from Italy, exactly, yeah. Um, It came from outside of the catchment area where our takeaway would be. And so it meant that we had to walk to another area to be able to place the order and then get it. So, But we do that if we're feeling fancy. And it felt like a real treat at Papa John's. Yeah. So if someone was watching, they would see a group of
3: guys huddling over to some street and then making an order on their phone. Making an order, yeah. And then instead of a load of drugs turning up, it's a Papa John's.
0: It's a Papa John's, yeah. <laughs>
2: Lovely. Yeah, exactly. And then a man who is clearly Matt Edmondson in disguise rushes past and makes that <laughs> Papa John's. On a bike,
0: exactly, yeah. I'm there on a scooter, i will take it away. <laughs> we talk there while you talk about <laughs> dominoes.
2: One thing we always discuss on the show are sort of late night guilty orders. And I think that I can probably fall into that. I think there's a little bit of a palate cleanser before we, we go into that. Do you want to have a little... A quick bite of your chicken, and and, and tell people what what you're thinking, flavor wise. We're really enjoying this, and then and then we can kind of plumb the depth of three a.m. and kebabs. Hold
0: up, hold up. My mic just went. Yes, I made the mistake of putting my plate on the floor, and the dog has come over. Now, if the dog has chicken, he'll have explosive diarrhea tomorrow. Here is the famed sachet. Look, completely sauceless. Oh, nice. Oh, no buttery sauce on that. I'm I'm uh, adding a forkful of substandard rice to it. <laughs> oh, it's good. It actually tastes, tonight's shashlik actually tastes smokier than usual. Yeah, they smoked it. But it's, it tastes fantastic. Well, it has a sort of chicken sheesh look to it. You can
2: see, I imagine it's it probably charred. is cooked in it's, it. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and
0: it's charred. Mm. Oh, it's a bit It's lovely. Yeah. And I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what's good about it. I mean, everything. But uh, one thing I really like, and again, this comes back to doesn't want to pay for his own rice. They send so much chicken in this chicken shashlik dish. Impossible. To eat in one sitting. And yeah. so I take some out, I pop it in a little ramekin, keep it in the fridge, and then the next day I have it. And I'll often incorporate it into a sandwich or pasta or something like that. It's like a double whammy. Two meals for the price of one. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so we talked there about
2: dominoes. Let's get into your 3 a.m. order. So you're, you're not a drinker, you say, but after a party, you're on your way home, you're hungry. What are you going to? What's, what is your guilty
0: pleasure? I very rarely at a party. Okay, um, I'm I'm one of life's great party poopers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) On the hour, every hour. Exactly. (laughs) If I was coming back late, so I am very nocturnal. It's hard now because I've got kids and they get up at the crack of dawn and, you know, I've got responsibility. But when I I didn't, if I could structure my own schedule, I would want to be up until 4 a.m. every day and then go to bed and then wake up at about 11. Really? And then not do any work until about 2. Yeah, I like it. I like working through the night. Because of that, when I was living in my shared house back in the day, I would often order a late night pizza. And it would be, again, because cos, bit basic, it would be a margarita, deep pan margarita. What's problematic is that, so if you order it from uh, Domino's or Pizza Hut, and actually more so Pizza Hut, the problem with the Pizza Hut is if you go to an actual hut where they serve the pizza, oh my God, it's like the nectar of the gods, when it comes straight out, but there's something about the entropy that it experiences en route from the hut to your house, which is that it does not sustain its puffiness, its its niceness. And when it arrives, a sort of layer of grease has risen to the top. Yeah, it's just a bit limp, which is really really unsatisfying. The only thing I can equate it to is if you've ever had uh, the misfortune of being upgraded on a flight, and I do see it as a misfortune, you know then know what you're missing. <laughs> I, I had it happen to me once where I got upgraded and I wish it had never happened because I'm obviously not paying ever for anything more than an economy seat. But I know what's back there. And uh, I, wish, I wish I didn't know. And it's the same with Pizza Hut. I wish I'd never experienced the pizza in the hut because hutless, not so good.
2: What was this flight where you got upgraded and how high up did you get upgraded? Let's just find out.
0: Actually, do you know what? It's happened twice. Once to Miami. The best one was on my honeymoon, went to New York on the way back, business class. Oh, my God. It was Virgin Atlantic, business class. And it's just a different world, isn't it? And is is the food different? Yeah, it is. I mean, ostensibly, it's the same, being cooked in the same way, which is, you know, reheated in a microwave. (laughs) Just with
3: a bit of care.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How unflashed this podcast is, is the two hosts asking a man what going into business class is like when he got it for free. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, what was it like? Just tell us what
0: it's like. You know. What was it like? Tell us, Tell us. talk it about magical. it. It was magical. They gave us slippers. Flat, your flat chair. Yeah. So yeah, so the pizza, the late, night, the late night pizza would have been the one and I would dab the grease off on the lid of the box and I'd always think, oh my God, that's going into my arteries. And then I'd eat it anyway. Do you have any feelings towards... McDonald's
2: as well, KFC. Uh, what what where are you your leanings there, or do you avoid those sort of places? As a kid,
0: I think my mum was a bit snobby, you know, and she didn't really have any right to be. But I think she didn't think McDonald's was somewhere we should go, and so I went to a couple of kids' parties there when I was very young. Then we never went back, and for whatever reason, it was like it's like oh no, we're not going to McDonald's. It was sad because sometimes they'd have a promotion on with a Happy Meal toy that you just really wanted. So, yeah, I think I have, it's almost like a Pavlovian um, response to a McDonald's, which is like, nope, I'm not allowed that. Oh, really? And actually, what we went on, what hol- the one holiday, this was the holiday where I discovered hotels existed. It wasn't until I was a lot older. <laughs> we went to Disney in Florida. I mean, I was even fussier with food then than I am now. I, I was basically, I think, surviving on chicken nuggets a lot of the time. And I had a chicken, <laughs> some chicken nuggets from McDonald's, one of which was like, do you remember those bath bombs? Oh yeah, I remember. I don't know what they're called. Bath pearls. Oh, yeah. Bath pearls you'd get back in the nineties from the body shop. Really, really invited you to what to pop them. and like they were so inviting. Like they just had the perfect amount of pushback. You were like, oh, I really want to squeeze one of these. Is that just me or is that something we can all relate to?
2: No, I get I do get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no I
0: get that. I fully get that.
2: It's like bubble wrap, isn't it? Same world. Yeah yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: It was like biting into one of those. So there was no chicken on the interior, but what there was was a sort of concoction of like Grease that exploded in my mouth upon eating that nugget. The shock of it has stayed with me. You know, I'm still in regular therapy for it. Was so that the last time you had a, you had a McDonald's? Probably the last time I had a McDonald's. Yeah, but I have had a KFC since. And by the way, the circumstances of that were that as a sort of consequence of doing the radio being on Radio One, I have been invited on occasion to DJ at places parties. So I once had quite a bad year. You don't need the full story, but know that <laughs> I was in financial trouble. And I was like, I'll go anywhere for any money to do any gig. And uh, my booking agent really took me uh, at my word on that one. And so sent me all around the country on um, on various sort of Freshers' Week shows. They would often be nine hours away on a drive. And if you were lucky, they'd provide like a guy that would drive you there. And my policy was all and they'd often say, Oh, we can put you up in a hotel room. I'd say, oh, what? Yeah. They'd say a hotel. I'd say, I don't <laughs> know what you mean. They'd say, it's like a tent, but with a toast <laughs> a, an impractical toast machine. They'd often offer that. And I'd say, no. Let's just drive back. Let's drive there. I'll do my set. It's only an hour. We'll drive back again. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna sleep in the back of the car. And I'd rather be tired waking up in my own bed than Waking up and going, oh, God, i have got to drive for nine hours. So you're not a person Matt, who enjoys the thrill of staying in a, in a hotel? Um, no. No, I don't really. <laughs> it doesn't thrill me at all, a hotel. So yes, on those journeys back, we'd obviously have to make some stop-offs. And it's a weird thing was doing a DJ set because the preamble to it was abject terror because you're like, God, I've got to do this thing I don't really know how to do. Then the thrill of doing it. Then there's sort of like adrenaline afterwards of it. And then you're like in a car, the driver's listening to Magic FM. There's like a one show gear change. Once your body's been through all of that, what it craves is um, 11 secret herbs and spices. And so on those occasions, occasionally, we would stop off at a service station. I was like, if it's after 2 a.m., it doesn't count. So um, I would indulge in some KFC chicken strips. Another name for a goujon, turns out, which is another name for a nugget. And yeah, I'd enjoy those. And they are brilliant. Matt, is your ultimate KFC order chicken strips? It would be chicken strips,
2: yeah. Is that because you save money by making your own fries at home? That's right, yes. (laughs) Yes,
0: I always carry a potato and a peeler with me (laughs) wherever I go. I love deep fried chicken. Problematic because a lot of it's done in buttermilk these days. There's two of the things I'm not allowed. Butter and milk. But but you know I will risk that. It's worth it. Before you leave us, one thing we always ask guests is, do you have any weird habits
2: you want to get off your chest to do with food?
0: Where do I start? Where do I start? I mean, I've got a list. Okay, let me hit you with some of the headlines. I like dry cereal. I'll tell you what, Matt, why don't you rattle through them? All right. Yeah. Uh, if I'm having toast and I'm putting butter or a vegan alternative onto it, I don't like it to be visible. (laughs) What? (laughs) So that you have to have an invisible spread? It has to be melted in. (laughs) That's absurd. That is absurd. I need need it to to be fully melted. I don't (laughs) want to see it. I don't like it to be visible.
2: We are, just to be clear, we are going to go back over a few of these things, but let's let's keep going here. What else?
0: I don't like gravy. Okay. Okay. Because I don't like foods that feel like they should be dry getting damp example, a roast potato. don't like gravy. Um, what else is an unusual thing? There are quite a few foods that I've never had. Uh, not really food, but I've never had a fizzy drink. What? No. Okay. This is the biggest thing I think we've heard in the podcast. You've never had a fizzy drink? I've You've never had a fizzy drink. Had fizzy
2: drink. It's like the beginning of Charlie in the Chocolate
0: Factory when he's about to get go around and try all these amazing things. Have you never had a fizzy drink? By not consuming one orally. I've never had one. Why? As a kid, I was really fussy with food, fussy eater, and had a very quite limited range of things that I was interested in consuming. You know, like there are some people that are hyper tasters. I don't know if I am. I feel like I am because I can, I feel like I can smell and taste things. Interesting. In a way that other people can't necessarily. So like we, my wife changed dishwasher tablets on the latest online shop. I was eating something from a plate and I said, What's going on? Have you changed dishwasher tablets? She said, Yeah. I said, Everything tastes of lemon. Everything. She's like, It doesn't. I said, Taste this bit of chicken. It's like, it doesn't just taste like chicken. I was like, No, it wow of lemon. And she then would test that theory occasionally by dripping some of those dishwasher tablets in. And every time I'd be like, Those dishwasher tablets, they're back in, they're back in circulation. I can smell them. <laughs> <laughs> um I not even smell them, I can taste them. So I think I've got a very acute sense of taste. That's amazing. That is amazing. I, I actually have never said this to anyone, so I don't know if, if this does happen with other people. When someone pours a Coca-Cola into a glass, can you taste it? Can you taste it like in the air?
2: No. But I think it would make my tongue react in the same way, let's say, if I think about salt and vinegar crisps, I have a a reaction. At the back of my mm. tongue will salivate a little bit. It's aware of it, but then maybe that's a learned response to me knowing what Coca Cola tastes like. So possibly, if someone poured it in front of me, but I definitely couldn't taste it in the air, like a sniffer dog.
0: Yeah,
3: I sort of feel like I can. Hold on, but what's the distance between the Coca Cola can being opened and you, you tasting it in the air? You're sort of oh, it has to be like probably within a couple of meters of me, four and a half miles, four and a half <laughs> miles. I swear, that's a. Someone's open one in Swau. Someone's <laughs> someone's just popped a Dr Pepper. Matt, Matt, Matt can't move. Really, the <laughs> number of
2: g- cans opening up at any moment—that's incredible. So it's the childhood thing that I find amazing.
0: There, the fact that even as a child, you didn't have a fizzy drink. What's happening there? There was something about the uh, texture of it, the smell of it. Like, is it's like a smell thing for me? Like the smell of it was really off-putting. Really interesting. And so I never went for it. And I guess the closest I've come is accidentally like sipping some. Someone else is sparkling water and immediately going, oh, my God, my tongue. It's not used to this. <laughs> but other than that, I've never had a fizzy drink. Remarkable. Okay.
2: I've listed them down here. I was just going to go through them one by one. Dry cereal. What cereal? Uh, Cocoa Pops. Oh, mate. Uh,
0: I believe it's a marketing scam that turns the milk chocolatey. Even
2: the slogan is, it
0: turns the milk chocolatey. they they on the front of the packet. They, that's a problem that some marketing persons come good on. Because they'll have made that product. They'll be like, oh, listen, I know we got Rice Krispies. We've tried to add chocolate to them. Every time we put water on them or uh, milk on them, it comes off. We can't sell these things. How can we? And someone would said, no, just say that they turn the milk chocolatey. Boom. Suddenly, we haven't got a flawed product. Okay. It was, it was
3: intentional. So you're spooning the dry cereal into your mouth. And you're, those Cocoa Pops, they're staying steady on that spoon? Or are they uh, they're all over the place? They're staying
0: steady. What do you, I'm not a nervy Coca-Popsies. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So
2: to me, that's absolutely balmy, but f- fair enough. The next one is the fact you need to have translucent spread, or at least it would be melted into your, into your bread. Thoughts on that, Sim? I'm more interested in
3: why Matt has this fear of uh, visible butter. Here's the thing, right?
0: If, you, if I had a block of butter, would you take a knob of that butter and put it into your mouth? What I don't understand is if I wouldn't eat it visibly solo. Why, when I've now placed it on a piece of bread, have my boundaries <laughs> changed?
3: But Matt, if you took that logic and applied it to anything else, you wouldn't eat anything.
0: Apply it to anything else. Apply, apply it to anything else. Something you wouldn't eat on its own. You wouldn't go, yeah, I'd eat a bit of that.
2: My, my, I've got a way around this, though, hey, Matt, which is simply to butter toast normally and then turn the toast upside down so you can't see it and eat it that way.
0: Oh, that's crazy. No, there's, I, I couldn't do that to myself. Just to be clear, I'm not the crazy one. (laughs) I once had a painfully embarrassing incident around this butter thing. I was doing a voiceover for a terribly titled but brilliantly written show called Totally Bonkers Guinness World Records. It's probably on ITV2 now. It always is. And I was in this quite fancy recording studio and uh, a runner came in. So this is someone who's like, you know, starting out, it's their first... First job, and they're kind of like, you know, they're going to make people tea, and they're going to make sure people's cabs are there and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, they say, hey, would you like anything to eat? And I say, yeah, And I have some toast? And I say, quite specifically, though, is it okay if uh, the butter is melted into the bread so it's not visible? And they say, I don't understand what you mean. And I said, (laughs) so, you know, you make the toast as, as per norm, and then... When you put the butter on, just make sure that it's it's melted into the bread. And they said, "I don't understand what you mean." I said, "Okay, um, uh, how can I explain it? If I was doing it, I'd say I'd uh, toast the bread uh, when it came out and it was hot. I'd put the butter on it then. And I, I if it was co- if the butter was a bit cold, I might put the other bit of toast on top to make a little hot pocket for it. And there, that way, it will start to melt. And then, and then it'll be melted. And then you know, if you finish the job." And they said, I don't understand. And I said, okay, so look, you're going to take the butter, the little sachet of butter, you're going to do the toast, you're going to put it in, and then it's going to melt, and then we're not going to sit. Okay. And they came back. This is a conversation that's gone on way too long. They came back and they presented me a dry piece of toast, an unwrapped sachet of butter on top of it, and then on top of that, another dry piece of toast. (laughs) And they said to me, is that what you wanted? And I felt so embarrassed. I said, yes. That's perfect. Thanks so much. (laughs) So now they're going to be off telling the story of, oh my God, we had Matt Edmondson, absolute diva. He wanted an unwrapped sachet of butter wedged between two pieces of warm toast. It's a maniac. Well, actually, all I really wanted was the very reasonable request of no visible butter. Matt, just to leave you with a lingering
2: thing that probably will keep you up at night. I've just done a cursory Google and there's a large community of people who make fizzy gravy. Oh, my God. There are Facebook pages dedicated to it. People have made it for Christmas generally carbonated gravy in the soda stream. That's what people do. They
0: carbonate their gravy. No, no. If I was on Dragon's Den, I would be immediately <laughs> out. So on the fizzy gravy, just very quickly, or just
3: on the gravy, Matt, are you saying that- Gri- Grizzly. It's called grizzly. It's called grizzly. Yeah. If you're having a roast- what would you usually have to combine the dish? Well, there's some prejudice
0: there, isn't there? Because you're assuming... You mean I'll have a roast? No, 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 no. I'd have a roast, but you're consuming. It needs to be combined with something, and it doesn't. Yes. we see, we come from
3: a long history of purists on this on this podcast. We don't really like roast, but we always think that needs a gravy to bind it would bring it all together. No, no. It say. doesn't need to be brought together. They're
0: happy hanging out with each other already. <laughs> no, I, um, <laughs> I like a very... Dry roast, and actually, I would say that that is the running theme of my dietary requirements. Is that generally the drier, the better?
3: I can see that with the chicken and the cereal, yeah, and the and the roast. And you've admitted yourself to having a rather plain palate, yes, big time. So I think as we come to end this podcast, I think what we need to do is spice up your life, your eating life a bit, and it will make our mission to get you into. Wet cereal, fizzy gravy. Surely fizzy gravy isn't the first step. Surely we build towards fizzy gravy.
2: It's gateway gravy, Matt. Gateway
3: That's
0: how gravy. It works.
2: Oh, God. Oh, no. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. And um, before you go, can you just tell us the name of the plate you've ordered from, uh, where mm. it is, and, you know,
0: big them up. It's Barber to Go, or Babur to Go. I never know how to say it. B-A-B-U-R. Where is that? Well, it's in South East London somewhere. I live in Broccoli, so they're within, within within driving distance of Broccoli. I actually don't know where the takeaway is because, um, you know, I've never been there, hence the nature of being a takeaway. <laughs> it's in South East London somewhere.
2: It's the first time one of our guests actually has lived in an area that's named after a food. That's another first, Broccoli. We haven't had that.
0: That's true. And it is leafy and green.
2: What a nice little bow on the end <laughs> of the episode. Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. That's was great
0: fun. Thanks, guys. Nice to see you. Catch up soon. Bye-bye.
2: contact the show on twitter at fave takeaway pod or instagram on my favorite takeaway podcast you can email us with your stories of takeaway woe gripes your worries on hello at my favorite my edmonton's
3: habits are mad <laughs> I, I still can't get over the fizzy drink thing that's more yeah astonishing to me than like someone who's not had a mcdonald's or ever had a burger king or I can sort of see why you might do that, but I mean,
2: not having a fizzy drink is like crazy. It is remarkable, isn't it? In fact, I'm kind of intrigued. Listeners, are there things that you've never tried that really you should have? Yeah, that's a good job. I'd love to know what they are, and if there's any reason, explain why. Let's say you've never tried crisps. I want to know why, with an explanation. I want to hear the justification why these mainstays of sort of food groups are avoided by some people. (laughs) Because the fact that he hasn't drunk a fizzy drink, to me, just feels mind-blowing. You can contact the show on hello at com, and we'd love to hear from you because we have yet more brilliant guests coming up. And please do spread the word. Leave us a five-star review and also leave us a description of why you like the show because it makes such a difference. It really helps us spread the show and helps us to get more and more great guests and bring you more and more wonderful shows. And Tom... You've, you've got you've got a new podcast out. I do. Thank you very much for bringing that up, Sim. I do. <laughs> I have a new history podcast with uh, Ellis James, who has been on the show before, and uh, Chris Skull, a very funny broadcaster, and it's called Oh, What a Time, and it's out every Monday. If you want to check it out, do look up Oh, What a Time on your podcast app and give us a listen. And Sim, we have another brilliant guest next week on this wonderful podcast, don't we? we
3: do we have the incredibly funny and it genuinely was one of the funniest podcasts we've done I'll record it, it was with Sean Walsh I cannot wait for you guys to hear it
2: I'd agree i almost say as an argument it's my favourite episode we've done well we'll have an <laughs> argument about it that's for sure we will. <laughs> we're going to go meet in a car lot now and come to blows decide whether <laughs> I'm right see you guys next week take care see ya. Bye-bye.
1: bye bye bye